been so far. I'm going to read a a passage this morning from Luke chapter 1. So if you've got Bibles with you or if you've got your Bible on your phone or a tablet or whatever, feel free to to find Luke chapter 1. We're actually starting a new sermon series and it's a strange sort of thing because uh, Steve last week at our Thanksgiving service actually uh, started from, from Luke 1 and we're just going to continue Luke. And we're going to be spending time in Luke right through until Easter next year. We're just going to be um, following through these stories. But today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, starting at verse uh, 57. Luke 1, starting at verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judah people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it asking what then is this child going to be for the Lord's hand was with him. And of course as we know uh, this is John as in John the Baptist and this happens before uh, Jesus is, is born. Now, as I've mentioned, uh, we're going to be spending, as a matter of fact, I've counted it 17 weeks in the, in the Gospel of, of Luke. So we're, we're kind of starting today, although we kind of kicked it off last week too, didn't we, in, in Luke? We've called it Everybody's Welcome. Now, the reason why we've called that is Luke has written the Gospel uh, to ensure that the, the Gospel of Jesus Christ is not just for a select group of people, it's really for everyone. Everybody is welcome to receive the Gospel. Uh, of Jesus Christ and we're going to be looking at this in in the lead up to Christmas and obviously we look at the Christmas story through the eyes of of Luke all the way through to Easter and we're going to look at particular stories of of, of a welcome to outsiders as uh, Jesus interacts with people um, outside of of the Jewish faith but also stories that are only found in Luke and so today we're as we've said we're looking at the birth of John the Baptist and we found we're going to be spending time in this particular passage Luke 1 57 through to 66. Now when you think about the Christmas story the Christmas story is is not just something that happens two weeks before December the 25th as we look in the Bible the Christmas story probably goes over about three years in, in, in a period, time before the birth of Jesus and a time of period afterwards. It involves a number of different people, not the least Jesus himself, but also Mary and Joseph and wise men and angels and shepherds as donkeys and a stable and an innkeeper and a, and a star. But it also involves the, the story in the lead up to this significant event, Mary's relative Elizabeth 
and her husband Zechariah. Now I've read this this passage here at verse 57, but if you've got your Bibles, you might want to refer back to the the very beginning of that that chapter where the story kicks off, where an angel appeared to Zechariah. We read this in the early part of Luke 1. An angel appeared to Zechariah and said to him, you're going to have a baby. And Zechariah uh, wouldn't believe him because he and Elizabeth were of, of a certain age. And so he, he basically exercised disbelief. And because of his lack of faith, the Lord caused him not to be able to speak. Now imagine what that would be like for nine or, or ten months not being able to speak. It would be incredibly frustrated. Now all of this is recorded in the early part of Luke 1, 5, Luke 1, 5 to 25. And we pick up this second part of the story that I've just read, starting at verse 57. And I believe that this account that Luke records about the birth of John the Baptist reveals three things about God's character. God is faithful, God is gracious, and God is is powerful. So let's have a look at the aspect that God is, is faithful. Over and over and over in the Bible, we are reminded of God's faithfulness. His, his word is full of promises that he makes and he ensures that he keeps his promise. We see them playing out and there are some promises that are yet to play out and because we've seen his promises come to fruition through the Bible, we can be confident to know that at the right time, these promises will come to fruition now in this particular story and we read at the first part in 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 verses 57 when it was time for elizabeth to have her baby she gave birth to a son now look this looks like a simple announcement it's simply a mother having a child it's just the announcement of a a birth but it's it's more than this it's a fulfillment of god's promise God's promise down through the ages about this, but also God's promise to Zechariah, which would have been nine or ten months previous to this. Now we can pick that up in verse 13. So I'll put it up, we'll put it up on the screen here, but if you've got it in your Bibles, Luke 1 13, the angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Now, that was, that was you know, months previous to that. So God gave Zechariah a promise at this point. God kept his promise. Now, God may make you a promise, and it might be in about verse 13 of your life. You may have to wait until about verse 57 of your life to see the realisation of that promise. Sometimes, for whatever reason, we don't see the outcome of a promise in our time frame you know we might be praying for our kids we might be praying for a certain situation to resolve itself and we're praying and we've got a sense that God is promising to do something here and I don't know about you but sometimes we get impatient do we not and think that God's dragging the chain a little bit well you can see here that God in his right time will make sure it is fulfilled now note in verse 57 um, Luke writes, when it was time. 
Now, it's pretty easy to look at that and say, well, of course he's going to write it when it's time because when a mother is nine months pregnant, it's only a matter of time, isn't it? And so there is going to be a time for a pregnant um, woman when she's going to have a baby, but I think it's more than just when the nine months were up. It refers to more than just giving birth, but the start of the incredible story of redemption. This is, this is like the very beginnings of the, as the birth of, of, of John, who's the forerunner to, to Jesus Christ, that's kicking off this whole series of events, which brings the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to earth. So can you see how significant this is, that it's more about when it was time for a woman to have a baby? No, this is a key moment in history. John is being born, sets in motion God's salvation plan. God is, is faithful. I just want to pick up another little sideline here that God is, is faithful to keep his promises. He's also faithful in what seems to be the ordinary circumstances. Pick this up in verse 58. Her neighbours, that's Elizabeth, Elizabeth's neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Now, Elizabeth was just a little bit of squelching here. That's just the last bit of water going out the drain of the baptismal. <laughs> it's perfectly natural, okay? Um, she was desperate to have a child and she was kind of beyond her childbearing years. And her friends would have known this. Her friends would have known that she would have been um, desperately seeking a, a child and a baby. <laughs> can you hear that down the back? Oh, yeah, we can hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, just stay focused, please. Um, don't we need support? Don't we need support? How important is it that, that Jake and, and Jordan come... I think... Oh, it's, it's there. It's, it's finishing up. Anyway, yeah, I was hoping that it was emptying itself out while we are singing that last song. No, it's going to take its time. In its own time. How important is it that we have community around about us? I mean, I could have taken Jordan and Jake just down to the local creek down there and we could have baptised and no one else got involved or anything like that. That's not the point of it, is it? How important is it that we're surrounded by family and friends who celebrate, who are praying for, who are encouraging, who are holding accountable, all of that aspect. And that's an aspect of God's faithfulness that he provides people round about us. And we've prayed for Jake and his family that as they go out to Burke, they will be surrounded as well with a strong community that can encourage them on in life. And that's part of God's faithfulness. We need others for support and encouragement and celebration, just like we did today. Elizabeth and Zechariah needed it as well. God is faithful to provide. Now, we go through challenging and difficult times, and I just, I just want to pause for a moment and reflect on God's faithfulness, because sometimes we go through difficult times, and it's in this. God tests our faith so that we will trust his faithfulness. I was so encouraged to hear from, from Jake this morning. He, he went, Jake's gone through some incredibly challenging times as a young man, sort of more than most young people of your age, Jake. And sometimes we can ask the question, why does God 
allow things to happen? Why do you know, bad things happen and everything like that? For whatever reason, we don't fully understand. There are times when the Bible makes it quite clear that God takes us through testing times to build a foundation in us so that we will trust in his faithfulness. Because too often if we have life too good, who do we trust in? Don't we? We make ourselves as Lord. And, and so he tests our faith so that we will trust his faithfulness because God is faithful. Second point. God is gracious. We read this in this passage and it reveals itself in somewhat surprising ways. Now, where does it occur here? And people are looking and going, I don't see the word gracious in, uh, in this passage. Well, it's in the naming of the child. Let's move on to verse 59 and I'll read this again on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah but his mother spoke up and said no he is to be called John they said to her there is no one among your relatives who has that name then they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child he asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment he wrote his name is John now, once again, if we look back at the first part of this chapter, we read that the angel declared that they are to call this child, when it was born, John. Why? Because it was, it was common practice that um, after eight days, you would name the child, and generally you would name the child after the father. So you would have generations of the same name. But this announcement was made, call him John. Why? Now, Often in the Bible, children were named um, as a part of a description of God's activity. For example, Esau was named, does anyone know what Esau? Hairy. How would you like to be named because you were hairy? Jacob, one who grabs the heel. Saul, um, asked for. Elijah, Yahweh is God. So you can see that children are named as, as kind of a description of God's activity. But in this story, God told them to name them John because John's name has a particular meaning and, and I should know, shouldn't I? And John means God is gracious. God is gracious. John as he grows up, would point people to the source of grace, that is Jesus. He was kind of the one who announces the coming of Jesus. Later on, actually many years later on, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Paul, in writing to uh, the church at Ephesus, would write along these lines, he would say, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. It's all about grace. The gospel of Jesus Christ is all about grace. God is, in, is gracious in bringing Jesus into the world, and John, as the forerunner to Jesus, would announce that very fact. The great gift of grace pointing to Jesus. As a matter of fact, I just did a quick little research on this little family of Zechariah, Elizabeth and, and John, and we can see Zechariah means God remembers. 
Hmm, that's interesting regarding promises in the very least. Elizabeth, God is reliable. And John, God is gracious. Can you see what a wonderful thing just the naming of this family is describing the activities of God, demonstrating who he is. And last but not least, God is faithful, God is gracious, God is powerful. Clearly, in this story, we can see the faithfulness of God, the graciousness of God. Have a look at this passage, this part of the passage in verse 64 onwards. Immediately, his mouth was opened, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about all of these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Now, notice the word immediately, or some versions use the word instantly. This generally uses, this, this descriptive word is used to describe a, a miracle. God's power at work that his um, Zechariah, who wasn't able to be able to be able to speak for nine to ten months suddenly at this declaration at the birth um, of uh, of John he's able to speak again the thing that I find really encouraging here is you know Zechariah doubted didn't he he doubted that Elizabeth would be able to have a baby um, so you know he's not the exact model of faith but Zechariah is is now the father of the forerunner to Jesus God, God still used Zechariah, didn't he? Even though God tested Zechariah's faith, Zechariah has an important part to play in the salvation of the world. And note here, the Lord's hand was with him. They were not alone. You know, God's, God's power does that. You know, I, I want to just leave it at that point right now and over the next few weeks, as we continue to walk our way through the Gospel of Luke, my prayer is that we will continue to find stories of faithfulness, stories of, of graciousness and stories of, of power as it seemingly ordinary people like Zechariah and Elizabeth were used in a mighty way for the purposes of God. You know, ordinary people just like you and I. How encouraging is that? And, and really, the simple fact for, for Zechariah, he didn't have to do much at all, did he? Just be available. So I just want to just pause right now and I'm just going to ask that we just, we just pray. And we pause and reflect on what's happened here this morning. We've uh, witnessed and heard powerful testimonies of faith from well I guess you could say ordinary people who have been touched by an extraordinary God and this is the beginning of a, of a journey it's not the end to use Jake Hoban's expression this is more than a grand final um, this is the beginning of the grand final and this is still yet to play out 
And so we just want to pray, Heavenly Father, for whether it's, it's Jordan or Jake, the beginning of their journey as, as people who have, who have died to themselves and are now declared new creatures in Christ. We just pray that you would be with them, sustaining them and strengthening them. But for us as well, as we are in that journey or considering that journey, we just want to say, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are here you're not off at a distance somewhere dealing with wars around the other side of the world. You're, you're there, but you're also here. You care. You're, you're listening. You're, you're working things out. And just like for Zechariah, who had no idea what would unfold over that period of time, we want to trust you as well, Heavenly Father. We've got no idea what's going to happen next year. We can have our plans. We can have our thoughts. But we want to trust you. And we, we know that you are faithful. We know that you promise to be with us, to lead us, and to guide us. And we want to trust you. And for certain people who are going through really challenging times, whether it's challenging times with with relationships or it could be challenging times with health it could be challenging times with finance it could be challenging times in 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 work or social situations we want to pray heavenly father that you will help us to keep our eyes on you to trust you in all of these things because we know that you're faithful And the natural thing is to try to find our own way through. But sometimes we just need to wait on you, just like Zechariah had no choice but to just trust in you. So we do that. And we know that you're gracious, that your love extends far beyond. We don't, de we don't deserve your goodness. We don't deserve your forgiveness, but you offer it anyway. And we thank you for your power. Your loving power which brought Jesus Christ into the world. Your loving power that raised him from the dead. Your loving power in the form of your Holy Spirit that would just be with us, strengthening and guiding us every day. Go and lead us, Heavenly Father. And may we follow faithfully. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.